Hey, it's Nelson. And this is Monica. Welcome to the Seattle Foodie Podcast, the show where we talk about the Seattle food scene and the people and businesses behind it. We eat all the food and share our insights with you. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get to it. Hey, Monica, I heard there was some rain this week. Did you manage to get through the whole monsoon weather? I kind of did, but I felt like my feet were like uh, growing into my rain boots because that's all I was wearing all week. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. You know, sideways rain, inverted umbrellas to use. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wasn't there like huge flooding in Issaquah? Yeah, there was. There was uh, quite a bit of flooding. They had to close off a part of the road from Issaquah to Renton. So that was interesting. Yeah, that was for a while. I just kept waiting for it to rain donuts. (laughs) (laughs) Rain donuts. Yeah. No, not quite. Yeah, not quite. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, you're thinking, right? Yeah, I'm kind of thinking that. (laughs) I saw that you went out to Tacoma. How was the Asia Pacific Lunar New Year out there? It was really fun. I mean, I spend most of my time in Seattle's Chinatown for Lunar New Year. And so I was really excited to just, you know, go someplace else for for a change. And it was really nice because it's a totally different character and different community organizations and tons of entertainment. It was entertainment that really got me. Food was really good, too. It was a variety of Asian cuisine. So you got to try lots of different things, Vietnamese, Filipino, Hawaiian, you name it, even bought a couple goodies and then just made a day of it out in Tacoma. And of course I had to stop by Jollibee on the way back. Yeah. Cause you always say it's too far for you. It's, it's so far. far. It's so far. So far. Yet you drove all the way out to Tacoma. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm just like, there's Jollibee. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I made it worth it. So we had to get a bucket. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, welcome to our show, everyone. This is episode 74 of the Seattle Foodie Podcast. She's Monica and I'm Nelson. We have a loaded show. I'm just going to say that right now. We've got two recaps and we got four events. So let's get right into it. Monica, I finally got to try it this week. We had a chance to check out True Bistro located in the First Hill neighborhood. This wine bar by night and then coffee bar in the day mm-hmm. has some excellent bites. I had several glasses of wine, which included a nice Chianti <laughs> and a full Cabernet, which was really delicious. Don't I sound like a wine connoisseur, Monica? Okay. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yes, sure, you sure, do. Sure, sure. Yes, you do. Chianti, huh? Wow. Chianti, <laughs> yes. I haven't had a nice Chianti since I was in Florence, but that was mm-hmm. like t- decades ago. <laughs> <laughs> but they had some really delicious food, though. I really love their M balls or their signature meatballs and their non flatbreads. They, they <laughs> when you went, did they give you? Did they pull out like four different flatbreads that came out? I mean, they had it was delicious. They had a caprese one. They also had pork one as well as a truffle mushroom. It was really, really awesome. And I was really most impressed by the charcuterie board. I wonder if that you got that because they had these beef fat candles. I'm not lying to you. These candles that were made out of beef fat. And when the candle melted, you would spread whatever was left on the melted beef fat onto the bread. And it was the best thing <laughs> I had. I ate there. It was so good. <laughs> Monica, you had a chance to visit True Bistro a couple weeks ago. What did you think? Hold on. I'm still laughing at like your favorite thing is the is the fat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a beef fat candle. It was so unique. It was so creative. I I thought it was really good. We when we went, I was we all thought the consensus was that was the best thing. 
Awesome. I think, you know, the night that I went, it was one of those monsoon days. And so everyone was running late. Traffic was terrible and it was raining sideways and it was windy. So I think our group was a little bit smaller than yours, but I definitely did get a good feel for the flatbreads. Um, we also did have a charcuterie board, but I don't remember the beef fat candles, but it's possible that I missed them because I was just, you know, you know just grabbing meat and shoving it in my mouth. <laughs> I was really hungry that day. Um, I agree with you. The wine is pretty good. I had, you know, you go with the reds and I go with the whites. And so I had sparkling bubbly and it was delicious. I also tried their coffee because I was wondering, you know, what their coffee drinks was like. Cause like you said, wine bar by night, cafe by day, and it was really good. And I also tried some of their pastries and it's pretty well-rounded menu. Uh, really love the location. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to try out the coffee. I wish I did. They did send us away with some light coffee beans. I'm going to have to try that out and try it at home. But it gives me an excuse to go back to True Bistro. As we mentioned, they've had in the past, they have trivia night as well as some other events. So make sure you guys check them out on First Hill. Okay, Monica, we had one more recap. Tell us about yours that you have. It's a big recap because we ordered lots of food. (laughs) We sure did. (laughs) We sure did. Guys, if you're in Wallingford, there's a restaurant that looks like a two-story house. It used to be May's Restaurant, and now it's CCK Thai. I never went to May's, but after eating at CCK, I can tell you I was missing out. Nelson, you and I got to visit last week, and the food was pretty darn good. First of all, let's start with the cocktails. I had the basil lychee lemon drop, and for good measure, I drank your lychee Rita, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and for an original dish, try the Tom Yum pizza. So, Nelson, I don't know about you, but I wasn't really sure how this was going to go. But honestly, it was addicting, and the flavors worked together, and I was kind of blown away by it. Yeah, absolutely. I really love the taste of it. Lots of really good dishes and it's a large menu. So we had to feel through it. We managed to pick out some really good dishes there. For sure. The classic calamari, it was like really simple preparation, but again, I just couldn't stop eating them. I think at one point I told, I pushed it away and said, you need to take it away from me. And then you ordered the roast duck curry and I can't thank you enough because I tried to eat it all, but you wouldn't let me. That had like really high quality pieces of fatty duck. And then it had like slivers of that crispy skin. And then the pud thai too was so tasty and fun to watch them prepare table side. And they had banana blossoms. And so that was pretty awesome. So Nelson, if I haven't mentioned some of your favorites, what were they? Well, like you mentioned, I did really love that roast duck curry. That was really, really good. Those devil wings were very good, too. It had a little bit of spice and kick to it at the aftertaste. I thought that was really nice as well. And then uh, the pad thai. I always love the pad thai when it's prepared table side. It's it's unique. I remember as a kid, they never had that. It would always mm-hmm. just serve the pad thai with the noodles and just like that. I always thought it was very unique, and mm-hmm. I like that. I, I would come back just to watch them prepare it. no i hear you guys seattle has a lot of thai restaurants i mean a lot but you need to put this one on your list and what i was excited about was hearing upcoming things about their food and how things are going to be you know just popping as they roll out and so i'm i'm excited to go back awesome all right monica like we mentioned we have four events to talk about let's get right into it because it's going to be a long show Guys, Nelson loves the short show, which never happens. 
All right. So I have one grand opening to talk about. I keep saying this, but I sound like a broken record, Monica, because Seattle desperately, desperately, desperately needs more Korean barbecue spots. I just in that downtown greater in the Seattle area. In order to get Korean barbecue, you have to go all the way out to Linwood up north or you have to go all the way down to Federal Way, which mm-hmm. you hate getting out to Federal Way. So, <laughs> yeah. That's something I feel has been lacking in the Seattle food scene for so long. And this week, Capitol Hill is finally getting a new Korean barbecue spot. Meat Korean Barbecue is having their grand opening on Tuesday from 4 to 11 p.m., taking over the old Trove location at 500 East Pine Street. Meat is serving up all the Korean barbecue and banchan, and they're using Prime Angus, American Wagyu, and Kiribati pork from ranchers like Snake River Farms and Rosewood. So it's mm-hmm. high-quality meats at a Korean barbecue spot. Monica, I can't wait to try this place out. It's going to be awesome, and they're finally open this Tuesday. I can't wait either. It sounds just enough extra for me. Uh, You know, I love the meat and I drive by it all the time. I'm like, when are they ready? When are they ready? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it looks good. I'm always all about the banchan when I'm doing Korean barbecue. Mm -hmm. I just love their, I just love Korean banchan. It's, it's great. Okay, Monica. And what do you have to start off for this week? Oh, wait, did someone say cake? Guys, Nelson and I will uh, be... No, I didn't say cake, but okay. Oh, are you sure? I thought I heard cake. Yeah. No, no, that's just in your head. I think you've been thinking about cake the, like, the past week. Past week, past lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Nelson and I are going to be at the second annual Seattle Cake Con. So if you don't have a ticket yet, you should buy them before they sell out. Seattle Cake Con is a convention and it's dedicated to all things sweet. And it runs from Sunday, February 16th to Monday, February 17th. We're going to be there on Sunday with a few surprises. Now, what's important is this event benefits a nonprofit. It's called Para Los Niños, a grassroots community organization founded by the community it serves. And it's the growing immigrant Spanish-speaking population in South King County. This event is great if you want to take a class because they've got tons of them. But if you're interested in taking a class, you better book it because they're filling up. If you're looking for a dessert for your special occasion, or if you're like me and just love sweets, some hot names you'll recognize are Bell's Pastries, Cubes, Nelson, your favorite local kitchen, and Custard Mm. and Things. There's going to be a lot of people there. We're going to be there. We have a booth, so come by and say hi. We're going to be recording a show there as well as recording interviews with a lot of guests at KateCon. It's going to be crazy, guys. Come by to the booth. We've got stickers. We've got stuff to hand out. Stop and say hi and meet us. Yeah, you never know what we're going to hand out. I'm just going to see what I have lying around the house, and that's what you'll get. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Nelson, what's the next event you have? I'm hoping next weekend monsoon weather will stop. I haven't checked the weather yet, but we have oysters on the water in Aokai. Get to Aokai Beach on Sunday from 12 to 5 p.m. and slurp oysters from Hamahama, Taylor Shellfish, Baywater Company, Chelsea Farms, and Olympia Oyster Company. Oh my gosh, I'm running out of breath. And wash it down with beers from West Seattle Brewing, Alki Beach Pub, and Harry's Beach House. You guys, Alki Oyster Fest. Tickets are $45 and proceeds go to benefit the Puget Sound Restoration Fund. With the admission, you get eight oysters, two drink tickets, and there will be live music throughout the entire day. I'm going to pray for the anti, anti-rain gods next week. So we'll have a dry Sunday, Monica. I don't know. I know. I know. Hopefully it's going to be sunny. Nelson, can you repeat some of that? Because all I heard was beer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Sounds like fun. It's going to be very awesome. In February, Oyster Fest in February. Who knew? Who knew? (laughs) What a time to be alive. What a time. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. Our last event that we're going to talk about today is from our friends at Intentionalist. So they are rewarding you for visiting Black-owned businesses throughout Black History Month, which is February, you guys. Come on. Every time you check in via Intentionalist, you'll be entered in a drawing for prizes. And there are a bunch of events this month as well. On Sunday, February 16th, join Intentionalist for brunch at Trey Lamont Jerk Shack in Belltown to celebrate Black History Month. From a food truck to a restaurant, Trey's cooking up things and will be sharing his story to connect with members of the Intentionalist community. Nelson, you and I have seen Intentionalist grow over the years since we met founder Laura Cleese at Sugar Plum a few years ago. She's out there encouraging all of us to hashtag spend like it matters putting our dollars in the hands of small businesses. So this sounds like a really great event. And of course, really great promotion for the month of February. I love the Intentionalist. Always putting an emphasis on local businesses, local, local, small businesses. I love that they're putting a spotlight on all of it all the time. Mm -hmm. For sure. Now, Nelson, you've got a great interview today. Why don't you tell us about it? Yes, it is a great interview indeed. Our guest today is, in my opinion, probably one of my favorite and best food photographers in Seattle. I'm talking about Momo Shares, Serena Lin. I'm always amazed by her photography skills, and she has some of the best in-home shots I've ever seen. I hope you guys have your notepad because we talked a lot about Serena's favorite places to eat around Seattle, her home cooking, and what to get if you're looking to build an at-home food studio. So there's Tons of information, you guys. Here's my interview with Serena Lynn at Momo Shares. Hey, everyone. So I'm here with one of our good friends, Momo Shares, Serena Lynn. How are you, Serena? I'm good. How are you, Nelson? I'm doing well. Just came back from vacation, right? Yep. Yeah. You're still getting into the swing of things, back to work and everything? Yeah, still getting used to my regular life. Yeah. We met several years ago at Wink Donuts, and we were doing a tasting for Wink Donuts. Before I even met you, I, I, I loved your photography every time I looked on your Instagram. Thank you. I think you. between you and our other friend, Emerald City Eater, Brian, I think you guys are the two best Seattle photographers if it comes to food. I think you guys are the best, oh, and I always admire you. it. How did you start your Instagram account? Okay, so in 2016, before I even had an Instagram account, I started a food blog in Taiwan. That was because most Taiwanese people search for restaurant recommendations through blogs. But since blogging takes more time, I started my Instagram account in the same year to complement my blog with a goal of bringing more instant and spontaneous updates to followers. Oh, wow. So just kind of wherever you're eating and stuff like that? Just Yeah, just sharing my opinions about the restaurant on my blogs. Yeah. We've been doing posting on Instagram probably for like three plus years around that time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for someone wanting to start a food Instagram account, what what kind of advice would you give to them if they want to start out just today? I would recommend people to find their own style, finding their own way to take and edit photos mm -hmm. or to be creative on captions. Don't be afraid to try something different. Make your food Instagram account unique and has personality. Yeah. That's really good advice. <laughs> Just like kind of give, everybody has a different style. Yeah, I agree. Food-wise, I love certain foods. Or what do you normally like to eat? I would say Korean food is my favorite cuisine. And I normally like to eat kimchi sundobu. Just okay. comfort food for me. Yeah, just kind of soup and sundobu. Yeah. Yeah, that's just... And warm. Yeah, warm foods. That's kind of, I kind of like that too. Like I said, you're such a good photographer. How did you... 
learn to be such a phenomenal food photographer? Uh, first of all, I don't think I'm phenomenal. There are still <laughs> lots of things I need to learn, but I would love to share how I learned some skills. First is through YouTube videos. Um, you can just simply search food photography and you can find tons of useful videos from YouTube, such as conversation, camera control, and lighting. Um, second, I like to look at other people's photos on social media for inspiration, mm -hmm. learn how they style their food, what angles to take, and how they edit photos. The main thing is to try to take as many pictures from as many different perspectives as possible. Sometimes a picture taken from an angle that you don't usually shoot can um, surprise you. When I first bought my camera, I had no idea what I was using. So I think the first three restaurants I went to when I used my Sony camera, everything was blurry. So I ate oh, at three no. different restaurants <laughs> and I couldn't figure, I, I was like, why are all my pictures blurry? I can't post any of this stuff with the new camera. Oh. And it was at nighttime too. So it was hard oh, yeah, to shoot at lighting. nighttime as well. Mm -hmm. So I went on YouTube to look it up and I used Pinterest too to like look oh, for yeah, inspiration. Yeah, yes. I think Pinterest, if especially I think, uh, oh, let's say I'm going to dim, eat dim sum. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I either look at Instagram or I go to Pinterest and I look up dim sum and they kind of have different shots of angles. That I was like, oh, I've never done that. Yeah, I do the same. I will just search for dim sum food photography uh -huh. and there are tons of pictures you can get some inspiration on. Have you always shot with a camera? Um, no. Actually, when I first started my Instagram account, I didn't have a camera, so I took pictures with my iPhone. And I still take pictures with my iPhone quite often, mm -hmm. especially for, for my flyleaf photos, since no depth of field is required. Mm -hmm. um, I think phone can do quite a nice job, and it's more convenient than a camera. I believe the best camera is the one you always have with you. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't want to carry a camera because yeah, it's kind of heavy. heavy or um, a lot of us have camera bags, so we just don't want to mm -hmm. carry our gear around. So sometimes just a phone works. Yeah. And a lot of times other sites will repost the pictures. Like it, I always have like a nice picture that I shoot with a camera, uh -huh. but other sites will repost my phone camera picture, my iPhone picture oh. sometimes. <laughs> so, But I still like using the camera because... We can shoot at night, we have different lenses, and especially everybody always asks like, oh, how do you get a blurry background? It's like, it's the lenses, mm -hmm. right? So it's yeah. always a camera that we use. So what camera camera do you use? Um, currently, I'm using Fuji X-T30. X-T30? Yes. Okay. Have you always used a Fuji camera, or how much research did you do before deciding on, I'm, I'm, I want to shoot with a Fuji? Um, I actually tried multiple cameras such as Sony, Fuji, and Canon. Mm -hmm. And all of all the cameras I have tried, Fuji's lens and colors stood out to me the most. Mm -hmm. That's why I decided to use Fuji. I have a Sony and because, like I said, I've, I had no experience using a camera whatsoever. So a lot of websites would tell me, like, you should shoot with a Sony. Mm -hmm. But then when I went and talked to people at, like, camera stores or, at, like, Best Buy... They go like, you should really shoot with the, with the Fuji camera because the colors are always so much better and, 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 it, and it really shows in your pictures. So now I'm starting to think like maybe if I decide to get multiple cameras, maybe a Fuji camera might be the next thing I want to purchase. I don't know. Welcome to the Fuji family. <laughs> <laughs> like I mentioned, you're such a good food photographer. I ha always have to ask like people that are taking camera shots when they're shooting. 
What are you, what are you looking for when you're taking food shots? So the most important things for me is the lighting. Uh-huh. I prefer natural light when it comes to food photography. I think we are pretty lucky in Seattle that we have lots of clouds in the sky and they block out some of that harsh sunlight to give photographer a nice diffused light. Um, then before I take a shot, I will think about what's the selling point for that specific dish. Based on that, I will choose the lens that I want to use. It's really nice to have clouds. <laughs> yeah, I will have the perfect diffused light. Yeah, yeah, it's the diffused light. I've, I always see. That's why I don't like shooting in the summertime because it's always oh, yeah. so bright and we can't take it outside. So it's actually I prefer shooting indoors when we were in the summertime because that way you kind of have that diffused lighting. You shoot other things other than food at restaurants because you make a lot of food at home too. Yeah, and it's always I, beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> like acai bowls. I've seen you make acai bowls. I've seen you do a lot of home cooking at home. Yeah. And you do have a studio at home, right? It's not really a studio. It's uh-huh. more like a table next to the window. Right. <laughs> but the table is always so beautiful. I, I, always lo- I always admire the table. For someone that wants to have props and things like that, where are some places you would recommend for buying dishes mm-hmm. or just utensils or things mm-hmm. that you can use to set up your background in your at home? This is a really good question. I actually get asked a lot about my props. I think it really depends on what kind of food scene you want to set up. For me, I like to make my scene match the season. For example, I love using fresh flowers during summer and springtime, um, pumpkin and maple leaves for fall, and pine tree for winter. Mm-hmm. You can get those seasonal props from your local grocery store. I personally go to Trader Joe's. Okay. Oh, so yeah. tra- just Trader Joe's. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I love Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> and for other props like plates, bowls, and mugs, I would recommend to get from IKEA, Amazon, and Home Goods. Um, I have one last tip. Um, when you buy a prop, you need to think about how this prop will make the food in your photography pop off the screen. You don't want your props to distract folks away from your food. So I like to collect neutral color props which don't compete with the color or texture of the food. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I mean, just buying just a variety of things. I, I like, I personally have gone to Target and just oh, Target look is for another different things. Place. Yeah. Normal people buy a placemat mm-hmm. and you buy four of the same placemat. I think I have four different kind of placemats <laughs> with different colors. So it's, it's really good to have variety and do that too. Like I mentioned, you do some home cooking, right? Yep. As someone who does a lot of home cooking, how did you learn how to cook? Uh, I learned how to cook after I came to the States college uh-huh. and because of missing my grandma's homemade food I started Google how to cook and call my grandma ask for her help ask for her recipes yeah that's how I start home cooking was it was it hard to replicate your grandma's recipes yeah sometimes? it is because some ingredients we don't have in the states mm-hmm. yeah I did the same thing I <laughs> as soon as I moved to an apartment in college that's I had to mm-hmm. learn how to cook too and that's where I started to learn to cook it was trying to figure out how to make rice. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. What are some of your favorite things that you like to cook at home? Um, Taiwanese beef noodle soup, um, brunch, hot pot, and kimchi fried rice. Oh, okay. Wow, those are really intricate 
<laughs> recipes. <laughs> I'm yeah. still I'm still learning the basics. <laughs> Is there a recipe ingredient you want to try using or making in the future? I recently got an air fryer as a birthday gift, so I want to experiment with it. If you know any good uh, air fryer recipes, please let me know. <laughs> I love making it making chicken wings with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Send me your recipe. <laughs> okay, chicken wings. One thing my mom uh -huh. was uh, making egg rolls. So instead oh, okay. of using oil to make the mm -hmm. egg rolls, you can throw it in the air fryer too, as well, which I had no idea that you can do. And still crunchy. And it's still crunchy. Yeah. Nice. And it's not as oily. So I don't know. Some people may like it. Some people like the deep frying. It, mm -hmm. it really depends. We talked about some home cooking. Now let's talk about some Seattle food. Mm -hmm. How would you describe the Seattle food scene in your opinion? Um, I think the Seattle food scene is growing fast. There are more and more varieties of food coming to Seattle. Yeah. What are some restaurants you like? I like Otura. Mm -hmm. um, for sushi, I like Tsukushinbo and GS Pasta and Spark Pizza, Max Noodle and Daru Market for brunch. For brunch? Yeah. yeah. I love their cakes at Daru Market. Oh, yeah, they are they're huge. <laughs> Mike's Noodles, always my favorite. But yeah, Daru Market is probably, my favorite East Side brunch is probably going to Daru Market. If someone is visiting from Seattle for a day, where, where should they go? What, what are some places you recommend? I would recommend people go to Pack Place in the morning and they can start a food tour there. Pack Place Trawler, uh, Illinois Greek Yogurt, Storyville Coffee, and Mac and Cheese from Beecher's. In the afternoon, they should check Space Needle, Chihuly Museum, and Kerry Park. And for dinner, Capitol Hill or International District would be my suggestion. Huh. There's just so many good food options in both neighborhoods. And for Capitol Hill, I would recommend Tyler Shellfish Oyster Bar, Ramen Dembo, and Duo Noodle. After that, you can have a Frankie Angel or Molly Moon as a dessert. And for Chinatown, I would recommend people to go to Max Noodle, um, A Plus Hong Kong, and of course grab a Yang Tea before heading to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? Lots of good places. Those would be probably Capitol Hill and International District would probably be the places I would recommend too. Even we live here, I think we still go to Pike Place, right? Yeah. It's just not a tourist spot. I think there's a lot of things that you can that we like to go to, like Elenos. Like I can eat Elenos Greek yogurt all the time. It's, Me too. <laughs> it's which one's your favorite flavor? The lemon custard. Mm-hmm. It's the my lemon, favorite. The lemon custard. Yeah. Yeah. I How like, about you? They had that pumpkin. Was it the pumpkin pie cheesecake? The one that they recently had. I think that was. Um, is in it the a seasonal? Fall. One? It was a seasonal one, but I also like. The Marionberry. The Marionberry. Oh, I like that too. one too. In yeah. the summertime. In <laughs> the summertime, yeah. You talked about a lot of places, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of noodles, a lot of other shops. Young Tea is always my favorite too as well. But what foods do you feel Seattle needs more of? Um, after visiting Japan, I feel like we need more of the fluffy Japanese souffle pancakes. Mm, yeah. And the gyokatsu, the beef version of tonkatsu. Mm -hmm. I think we're missing those kind of Japanese food. I, I totally agree. The souffle pancake. No yeah. one hasn't made that. And even if I go up to Vancouver, they haven't mastered Even in like Vancouver, I still, still feel like they haven't quite mastered it up there either. I think there's like an opportunity in Seattle for that to make something, a souffle pancake, really good. Yeah, I agree. 
Okay, I think we're at the end here. Serena, those are a lot of questions I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last thing. Where can we find you on social media? Um, you can always find me on Instagram at MomoShares. Perfect. So just Momo shares, right? Yeah. You guys really need to check it out. If you don't follow her, her photography is amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. And that was our interview with Momo shares, AKA Serena Lynn. Serena is so awesome. Monica, before we even met her last year, I've admired her photography for years before that. I was like, man, her shots are so clean. Everything looks so good. Yeah. She, puts really great emphasis on photography. It blows me away. I agree with you. Um, I would also fangirl over Serena before we met and got to know her a little bit. I was like, wow, is she like a professional? I mean, like- That's what she, I thought too. Is she just like one of us? Or like, is she like a professional photographer? Like everything's so clean and refined and always blew me away. And I love Serena, but I'm going to say like, I'm always mad at you, Nelson. I'm not mad at Serena. I'm always mad at you because like Serena is like your number one hand model. And like, keep it up, Nelson. I'm never going to hold anything for you again if you keep bragging on me. <laughs> Monica, the, the disadvantage that we have is that we're old and <laughs> Serena, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, is a lot younger than us. You know, father time is undefeated. So <laughs> we, <laughs> she's a younger hand model. I'm sorry to say. So everybody's, it's always like that, right? So rude. father time is undefeated. Rude, yes, Nelson. rude. 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 <laughs> Guys, you heard it here. You heard it here, guys. <laughs> Serena, best hand model out there. Momo shares. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As Nelson is holding his own food at every tasting where it's just me and him. <laughs> All right, Monica. I'm kind of excited for KidCon. It's going to be a long day. I don't know what to expect from there. I'm hoping to meet a lot of people, a lot mm -hmm. of new faces, uh, people that have been listening to our show, people that haven't been listening to our show. <laughs> I'm excited too. I'm excited to meet people, to meet cake, to meet other sweets. <laughs> no, it's, it sounds like fun. And it's the second annual one and I missed it last year. So uh, it was it was at a different place, but really looking forward to it at Block 41. Absolutely. It's going to be our first remote recording. I'm a little nervous about that. <laughs> we normally record in our home studios. And when I say home, I'm in quote air quotes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how it's going to be. Well, I'm, I'm a little nervous and hopefully we'll, the show will record fine. But um, yeah, it's going to be experiment. We're already 74 shows in. So it's time to do something different. Mm-hmm. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have seven days of eating out next week. I It's going to be crazy. I just Same. looked at my calendar. <laughs> this is, it's going to be ridiculous. Oh man. Okay. It's ramping up now, guys. Mm -hmm. It's getting serious. Things are getting serious. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. That's our show for tonight. Always thank you for all your support and happy eating Seattle. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes and leave us a five-star rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Seattle Foodie Podcast and on Twitter at Seattle Food Pod. You can also email us at Seattle Foodie Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we hope you enjoy the Seattle Foodie Podcast. <laughs>